Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. So we're in this series called Next Gen, and it's really all about celebrating and anticipating the future of the church of Jesus Christ. Specifically, you're hearing from three young men here in our church. I say young, they're all about 30 years of age, and they have dedicated their lives to full-time ministry. Now, each of these individuals, they've already been serving on staff here in some capacity, youth, worship, and other areas of ministry, but now they're all three full-time ordained ministers of the gospel. You know, not a director of ministry anymore. The elder board has officially affirmed them as pastors. And that is a big, big deal. You know, if you missed last week's message, I can explain to you all the intensive work that goes into the ordination process. And I'd encourage you to go back and take a listen to that, okay? It can take upwards to two years to complete this process. But once these guys are done, they are fully equipped for pastoral ministry. And just so you know, being ordained as a pastor, it's not necessarily a calling to preaching ministry or senior pastor ministry. A lot of pastors don't serve in that capacity. But it is a recognition, and it's kind of an affirmation, really, of spiritual gifting, vocational calling, theological grounding, and solid, sound, biblical, godly character. And so in this series, we've asked these newly ordained pastors just to kind of share with you a little bit about their story, their calling, their passion for ministry, and also to issue a challenge to you from a favorite passage of Scripture. And this morning, uh, we're going to hear from our worship pastor, Josh Bissell. And I'll just tell you up front, this guy's got a really special place in my heart. We have a very unique relationship. You see, his dad, Don, and I, we've been close friends since our college years. And so the Threll, Calden, Bissell family spends lots of time over the years, and I've gotten to see Josh grow up and mature since his childhood days. And not only that, I've had a front row seat to watch him develop as a musician, as a worship leader, as a songwriter, and as a man of God. And if you know me, you know that I also have an extensive background in music. So in case you're out here thinking this morning, oh man, Brian, I bet you've really built into Josh and developed him as a musician. No, (laughs) not at all. In fact, I played some gigs with him. He's actually challenged and developed me more as a musician. This guy has incredible, natural, God-given gifts and abilities in the area of music. And as you'll hear, he also studied music in college. He has worked hard to refine those skills as a musician. Now, I will say that over the years, he and I have had lots of great interaction about the nature and purpose of worship. But even there, it's been kind of a dynamic two-way dialogue and discovery process, and we've grown each other in our understanding of what real worship is all about. But there are at least two areas where God has given me the privilege of building into Josh, of speaking into his life. The first would be his theological and spiritual development. And then the second would simply be this, seeing the unique gifting and calling that God has for him and believing in him even when he didn't believe in himself. See, God personally affirmed to me that he has great things in store for kingdom work with regards to Josh Bissell and what he's going to be doing. And so part of my role over the years has simply been to call that out, to encourage him to embrace the gifting, the high calling that God has for him. 
So having said all that, how about a big round of applause for our worship pastor, Josh Bissell. Well, hey guys. I don't know if all of that's true. Uh, I do know that last part is, is very true. Um, Pastor Brian has been instrumental in just believing in me and um, honestly giving me a chance uh, at ministry and what God's calling me to do. And so, and what an honor it is to be here uh, in front of you guys. It's an honor to have gone through just this process of ordination. Um, I, I, it's, been a, it's been a journey. It's been a good journey. And truly, my heart and my commitment is to serve God and to continue to be a student of his word. And so thank all of you for just your years of support and love as I've continued to grow and develop in my ministry. Truly grateful, truly honored for each one of you. Now, as, as Pastor Brian said, he asked the three of us newly ordained pastors to uh, teach on something specific and personal to us. And I immediately knew what I would talk about because over the past couple of years, God has had me on this path of discovering more of who he is and who he's called me to be. And so I want to share my story with you, and I, and I hope that it inspires you to see how God is moving and working in your life as well. Isaiah 64, 8 says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. So let me share with you how the truth of this scripture has unfolded in my life. I grew up in a Christian home. And uh, when I was a wee little child, my parents began to sow a love for music in me. In fact, uh, my dad began teaching me how to play the drums when I was around three or four over here on the left. He got me uh, this uh, little Taylor guitar when I was five and, and taught me how to play the old spiritual Do Lord. Anybody know that one? Do Lord, oh do Lord, oh do. Everybody at Sun City knew that song, but <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, my mom has reminded me of how I'd always go over to this upright piano that we had in our living room, and I would just pick out and play little melodies I had heard in other places. At 12, I, uh, I got uh, a little more serious about wanting to play the guitar, and so my parents got me lessons, and then shortly after that, I was asked to be a part of the youth worship team at my church. Now, I have no idea why I was asked to be a part of this team, because at that point, I was terrible at the guitar. <laughs> But I eventually got a little bit better, and then I was asked to play guitar for our Sunday morning worship team. Around that time, I gained mentors in the church that taught me how to plan services, pick songs, and lead the congregation in worship. And I was starting to realize like, I had a gift, and I was being given these opportunities to use it in the church. And so I started thinking, well, maybe there's more to this whole music thing. And so like Pastor Brian said, uh, I, I went off to college and I studied music for two years. And then after that, there was really this pivotal life moment where I had the choice of figuring out how to make it in the music industry and work somewhere like Chipotle, or I could go into ministry and lead worship. And that was around the time I was offered a job here at Hill Country. And so it was starting to realize and become more clear that God was calling me into full-time ministry. And it's a ministry I've now been a part of for the last nine years. Really grateful for that. 
That's pretty obvious that music and ministry have been a major part of my life, right? But despite all of that, there was something that I struggled a lot with. There was a tension in me. I really wanted to be creative, but I didn't feel creative. Even though I was playing music and leading worship, I felt the opposite of creative. And I think the main reason I felt this way was because even though my life was full of all these musical endeavors, the one thing I always felt like I should be doing but I wasn't doing was writing songs. For years, I had this strong desire to write, and no one was telling me to. I didn't really even know what I was supposed to do with songs if I did write them, but it was a nagging feeling. But since I couldn't seem to get my act together and write songs, I was just resolved to not being creative. I told myself, you just sing the songs other people wrote. You just play the guitar licks other people came up with. But where's your originality? Where's your creativity? So I never felt like I had this unique identity as someone who's creative. I just had the ability to copy. And honestly, I don't think uh, these were bad feelings. I don't think that struggle, that tension, and that desire to be creative was wrong. In fact, that tension is exactly what led me to pursue an understanding of my God-given design. I spent several years studying what it means to be creative, what that looks like, what God says about it. What does God say about creativity? And as I went on this journey, God showed up bigger than I could even imagine to prove to me who he says I am. I learned first and foremost that I'm deeply loved by God. But even more than that, I'm I'm deeply loved by a creative God who has fashioned me for a specific purpose, the way a potter would fashion a piece of clay. What God began to show me was a, a deeper meaning of creativity and how it's actually an intentional part of his design of you and me. He actually showed me that I didn't need to write songs in order to be creative. I didn't need to play music to be creative. I didn't need to do anything or prove anything to be creative because I was already born creative. And guess what? You, each one of you were born creative. But somewhere along the way in life, we kind of lost that sense of wonder we had as children. We lost the ability to invent, to imagine, to be in awe of this world we live in, the, the world that God himself created. You are creative. And as a cherished child of God, your father in heaven, your creator has created you for a specific purpose. And so here's my main point today. You and I have been called to create. We've been called to create. Now, you might hear that and think, well, I can't draw, I can't sing, I can't play an instrument. How am I creative? Well, if you're having that thought, I'm glad you are because I'm going to spend the rest of the time here sharing with you what that means. When I say that we've been called to create, I think it's important for us to understand that term, creativity, because it can mean a lot of different things. In our culture, it generally refers to something of the arts, right? Painting, designing, designing playing music, singing. 
But in the true sense of its meaning, it's not exclusive to the arts. Listen, the most accurate definition of creativity I've come across is this. Creativity is the process of discovery. It's the process of discovery. It's discovering and piecing together what has already been created by God. And I've heard this process of discovery referred to as God showing up. There's a a problem that needs to be solved, something that needs to be discovered. And there's a solution to that problem that we don't yet know, but God does. And as we enter this process of discovery, as we do the work and solve the problem, creating something, God shows up and he reveals his creation to us. And so if creativity is the process of discovery, it's the process of God showing up and revealing his creation, then we can apply this to every part of our lives. Because anything you do to discover the solution to a problem is creativity. It's coming up with city drainage plans, engineering roadways, designing software, preparing lectures, planting gardens, running spreadsheets, counseling people, underwriting mortgages, being a stay-at-home mom, because God knows you have a lot of problems to solve as a stay-at-home mom, right? And I could go on and on, but what I want you to do is just insert whatever it is you do. It doesn't have to be a job or work, whatever, just whatever it is you do and begin to realize it's creative, Because the things we do simply express the creativity that has already been ingrained in our DNA. But why is this important? Why is it important for us to know that God calls us to create? Well, because creativity is how we connect with the creator of our universe. It's how we discover the very heart and character of God. So I want to share with you just four reasons God calls us to create. There's many more I could share with you. If you want to talk about them after the service, I'd love to. But at the heart of it is just us discovering who God is. And the first is this. We're called to create because we are God's masterpiece. In Ephesians 2.10, the Apostle Paul says something incredible. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You see that word masterpiece, it refers to a made thing, a created thing, something that has unique design and purpose, something or someone that is specifically, intentionally, and beautifully fashioned by God for a particular purpose. Just take a moment to kind of look around the room here. Look around just a little. There's no doubt that each person in this room is different, unique, right? Outwardly, we all look different. We have unique characteristics in our faces, in our behaviors, our mannerisms. But we also have differences on the inside, right? Different passions, different talents, different callings. Have you ever uh, looked up the probability of the specifically unique you coming into existence? Like imagine you haven't yet been born, but a geneticist wants to create you, specifically you, through all natural means. 
Well, if you take the likelihood of your parents meeting the likelihood of the right sperm meeting the egg, and you multiply this over generations with a few other factors, the likelihood of you being born is the same likelihood as everyone in the greater Austin area, over 2.3 million people coming together and playing a game of dice with a trillion-sided dice. And every single person on the first roll comes up with the same number. Now, if I kind of lost you with that, here's what that means. The probability, the chances of you being born with forethought, right, are effectively zero. It's impossible. This is nothing short of a miracle. It proves that God had a knowing hand in the creation of you. Psalm 139, it's 13 through 16, says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You are not a mistake. You're a miracle. You are God's masterpiece. Understanding the truth of that leads me to the second point here. Because as God's masterpieces, those who are specifically and knowingly created by God, we're called to create because we're made in the image of our creator. Do you know the first thing we learn about God from scripture is that he's creative? Seriously, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created that's what we know about God. And then we see him creating our world and everything in it over the next several verses. And then we get to verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, and the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. Guys, it's part of the human blueprint that we would create. Our creativity is a reflection of the image and likeness of God. We create to reflect his beauty and glory and majesty. And when we delight in the character and creativity of God, he delights in us. My daughter Nora is two. And Nora loves to go on hikes, just like me and her mom. And when we go on hikes, Nora wants to explore. She wants to discover new things. And it's so amazing to see her little gears turning as she's discovering and appreciating. This was us at Lake Georgetown here about a month ago. Nice. And it brings me so much joy to see my sweet little girl just get excited about the sunrise. As you might have been able to tell, we're still working on which direction the sun's going at what time of day. This was morning. The sun was going up. She said, the sun came down. But that's all right. We're working on that. She's only two. 
But it brings me so much joy. I love watching her throw rocks into the water and, and feel it splash back up on her. There's kind of two layers to this joy. First, there's a joy of just being able to see Nora discover and experience these things for the first time. But the second layer of joy comes as I see myself in her. See, I love to hike. I love admiring the sunrise. I love skipping rocks across the water. And so as Nora does these things, she's reflecting little parts of my character and personality. And that brings me joy. So is it possible that I experience just a fraction of the joy that God experiences when he sees his children, his people, reflecting his personality and character through their creativity? Number three, we're called to create because creativity is a gift by which we enjoy the life God has given us. Ecclesiastes 3, 11 through 13 says, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I concluded there's nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor, for these are gifts from God. The writer of Ecclesiastes is telling us to enjoy this life. And there's some obvious things we enjoy in this life, all of which are coded with creativity. Right, we enjoy our hobbies. We enjoy movies and games, going outside in God's creation, going to concerts, enjoying nice dinners. But I think the part of the appeal in this passage is that we shouldn't just enjoy the things that are products of creativity. We should also enjoy the process of creativity for ourselves. We shouldn't just enjoy the things that are products of creativity. We should enjoy the process of creativity. We should enjoy our work and our responsibilities, not as things we have to do, but as things we get to do because we've been called by God to do them as an expression of creativity. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In Colossians 2.23 and 24, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So when we enjoy our work, when we use this life as an opportunity to serve God in all that we do, we're getting a glimpse at eternity. Because what if what we do in this life is just a 70, 80, 90 year internship for eternity? See, I grew up thinking heaven was gonna be this place where we just, all we do is we gather around the throne of God and we sing, like one big, great big worship service, right? And while that's great, there's nothing wrong with that, I've gotta be honest, but doing that one thing for all of eternity kind of sounds a little boring. And I lead worship for a living. And I always thought, well, maybe once I get to heaven, that's gonna change, right? Like, I'm in heaven, what am I gonna care? But in addition to that great big worship service, I also long to physically walk in and explore the garden and never get tired of what I discover. I long to write an endless list of songs about God with my friends. I long to, 
Take all the things that are good in this life, all the things I enjoy, removing all the corruption and evil from them and just leaving what's good. I want to do those things for all of eternity and never get tired of doing them. And what if that's what God has in store for us as he's planted eternity in our hearts? What if the things we enjoy in this life are the things we'll continue to enjoy in the next And in our enjoyment of them, we are enjoying the creator of them, worshiping and honoring and glorifying him. Number four, we're called to create, to show the transformative power of Christ in us. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. There's a difference between salvation and transformation. Pastor Brian just spent the past couple months talking about how salvation is by faith alone, is by grace through faith alone in Christ alone, right? You're saved by grace through faith in Christ. You're going to heaven the moment you put your faith in Christ. But transformation is ongoing in our walk as Christians. It's day by day, moment by moment, being made to look more like Christ because we're still learning. And so when we follow the call to create, we're part of a process of discovering a little bit more and a little bit more how to be like Jesus. Our lives are in the process of changes. The power of God works in us as we discover more of who he is. For me, I've had to experience life with him in order to gain a better understanding of him and what he's called me to. I certainly have similar passions I did when I was five and six and 16 and 22. But as I've embraced and stepped into my calling as someone who's creative, I've become more confident about who I am in Christ and my purpose and what to do with my gifts. And that drives me to, to continue in this process of discovering how I is just a little piece of clay in the potter's hands. And useful to carrying out his work. Creativity is doing life with God. My life has been transformed by the call to create. I shared with you how I once struggled to to feel creative because I couldn't write songs. Well, it's funny because once I embraced this call to create, I had nothing to prove. So I began the process of discovery and I started writing songs. And over the past 14 months, I went from having written maybe around five songs to now over 75. And that's the power of embracing God's call to create. Friends, you too have been called to create. So ask yourselves, what does creativity look like for me? Maybe it's taking action, taking up a hobby or a new project at work. Maybe it's not doing anything new, but it's changing the way you think about what you do, who God has created you to be, your identity as his image bearer, and doing everything with all your heart as for the Lord and not for men. Jordan Rainer, one of my favorite authors, and he's the author of the book Called to Create, he says this, following the call to create means that we no longer work to make a name for ourselves. We work for the glory of the one who has called us. 
And I'll remind you that this is a journey. It's, it's a process. For me, I, I've been on my own journey through this idea of creativity as discovery. And it's had its ups and downs, but what's key is that it's teaching me how to better do life with God. And so as I close here, I want to share some lyrics to a couple songs I wrote with a few friends of mine. One of them's our very own Matt Sally, who's running the live stream right now. And I think they perfectly illustrate this journey I've been on. So here they are. How many times have I wasted all of my time being faithless, constantly chasing more? Why do I fight with the tension, distracted by discontentment, a wreckage that can't be ignored? Help me fix my eyes on you, sustainer of life. Pull me to your heart till I'm centered in your love. So now the colors on my canvas paint a picture of your grace, and the writing on my pages has your story on display. And the mighty name of Jesus is the one that I proclaim, because for me, to live is Christ, and for me, to die is gain. I want to invite the worship team to come back up, and I've asked them to lead us in this new song called Canvas in Clay. I think it's a great response to what we've talked about here today, especially as it relates to Isaiah 64, 8. Yet you, Lord, are our Father, we are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. As I come up here, let me encourage you in this. Seek the presence of God. Actively look for Jesus. Find foundation in his word and pursue Christ-likeness as you create. And then just see what God does. Be open-handed. Be the clay. You've been placed on this earth for a specific reason, something God long ages planned, long ages ago planned for you to do, for his glory and for the good of others. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this call to create. We thank you that you are a creative God and you have fashioned, designed us all for a specific and unique purpose that you've created each one of us to worship and glorify you in our, in our own way, through our own creativity. God, would you show us what that means, what it looks like for, for us to be creative, to reflect your image, your beauty. Help us to recognize the things that are good, the things that are creative are of you. Thank you, God, that you have created us as your masterpiece. That you knew each one of us and you formed and fashioned each one of us. And Lord, help us just to walk in the, the transformation that Christ brings as we continue to walk with you moment by moment and day by day to embrace who it is you've called us to be. As today, Lord, we long for eternity. We long for that perfect day, that perfect life with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.